Welcome to the Limitless Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and helps build your faith. Enjoy the message. But uh, today I'm actually going to be starting a new series, and the, the new series is called 2020 Seeing with Perfect Vision. How many of you know that we uh, need to have vision in our lives? And uh, not just any vision, but we need God's vision. And that's why I'm going to talk about tonight is, is having uh, God's vision. Uh, if you would turn with me to Proverbs 29. Um, if you have your Bibles or your phone, your uh, Bible apps, Proverbs 29. I'm actually going to read in the King James Version, which I've, I don't think I've ever done before. But Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And that's so interesting to me that where, uh, whatever area in your life that does not have vision will suffer. And, and that goes for, for every area of your life. Um, I'm going to actually read that same passage, but in the message translation. Check out what, the way it words it in the message translation. So, Proverbs 29, 18 in the message says, if people can't see what God is doing, how many of you want to see what God is doing? They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And I read that today and it really, really jumped off uh, the page at me. Um, And I'm going to go ahead and read it again. It says, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Because there's a difference between blessed by God and and there's a difference between being most blessed by God. And there's a difference between having having something that's good, but also having something that's from God. There's a big difference. Having having something good and having something that's that's God-given. Um, and I want to talk to y'all today about, um, there's a character in the Bible named Abraham. Do y'all know about him, right? Mm-hmm. Father Abraham, there's a, if you ever went to uh, Sunday school, you heard a, a song called Father Abraham Amen. had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you, right? So let's just praise the Lord. The right arm, right arm. I don't, know, I don't remember the rest of the song, but... <laughs> Um, I'm going to be talking about him today, and if you, you will go to our main passage, it's in Genesis chapter 13. Um, this is actually, this is a long story, but it's interesting, and it's about Abraham, and he had this relative, or this nephew, that his name was Lot, L-O-T, okay? So here we have a story of Abraham and Lot. Both men were very wealthy. Um, they had many cattle and, and donkeys and, and servants. And we're going to pick up in verse one. Um, It says, so Abram left Egypt and traveled north into uh, the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. Abram was very rich in uh, livestock, silver and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel and they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar and there he worshiped the Lord again. Lot, now Lot is Abram's nephew here. That's his name at the time. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. 
But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. Say that word with me. Separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll, take, I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look. That's important. At the fertile plans of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful, beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself. Now that's important too. The whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Um, so we'll read the rest in a moment. But um, so I want to tell you something. I read a story. I know it's long. Hopefully, hopefully I stuck with it. But it's a story of a- his name's Abram at the time. But God changes his name to Abraham later on um, and his nephew Lot. And they're they're together. And, and Abraham decides, hey, let's let's actually let's separate. And, and God had spoken to Abraham that he was going to have many descendants. He gave him a vision for his life. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is vision, but not just any vision, but God's vision for your life. How many of you know that God has a vision for each one of y'all? And it's great. It's more greater than um, the vision that you have for yourself. It's more greater than you could think or imagine or even desire. All right. And um, I want to I want to tell you something. So Abraham represents God's vision. Okay. And Lot represents your own vision. Okay. So I'm going to give you all tonight only two steps. It's going to be different. I normally give you all three steps. Right. So um, I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. So two steps to seeing God's vision for your life. Okay. So the first one, the first step is to separate from or surrender your vision. To separate from or surrender your vision. And we're going to read that in verse 8. And it says, Finally, Abram said to Lot, Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. Um, and so he says, The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice. You could go pick, pick whatever you want, and I'll choose the opposite. So he's pretty nice, right? Abraham's pretty nice. He's a nice uncle, <laughs> right? Um, so he gives him his choice. But I want to tell you all something, that you have to make a decision in your life that you're going to choose God's vision for your life. You have to come to the place where nothing else is going to satisfy you unless you're in the will of God. Nothing else is going to do for your life unless it's God's perfect vision for your life. So we have to come to that point, though. If we continue to, to live self, selfishly and continue to, to live by our own desires, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Um, I'm telling you, it's, it's, you're going to end up in a place that you do not want to be. Okay, um, you, you have to come to a place where you say, you know what, God, I, I want to be everything that you've called me to be. God, I want to do everything that you've put me on this earth to do. And, and, and um, 
And that has to be your main focus. That has to become your main desire over anything else. So you have to separate from everything that's going to keep you from that vision. Okay, so if, if there's uh, friends, relationships, um, I don't know, a job, a workplace, anything that's holding you back from God's vision for your life, you're going to have to separate from it. You all hear me? Um, and we talked a lot last year about, about doing that and uh, sanctification and separating uh, from things that are, that are holding us back. But I want to talk specifically about any ambitions that you have, because all of us, all of us have a vision for our life. You, you, you see yourself, in, like I said, we're entering a new decade. I mentioned this last week. You don't want to see yourself in, uh, in 10 years in the same place that you are today, right? Nobody here does, right? You want to see yourself advance in life. You, you see a good vision for your life, right? Everybody here has some sort of idea of where they want to be in 10 years. Um, so I want to talk about that. If any ambitions or any selfish desires to, to exalt yourself. So uh, for an example, maybe you might have ever had this thought or somebody out there has this thought is, if I could just get that many followers on Instagram, right? <laughs> Imagine what people would think about me. Or if I could just get that many followers on Instagram, I, I could become famous. And um, I could get endorsements and, and people will be contacting me and uh, I can make money like that, right? Or if I could just, um, I don't know, you could f- fill in the blank. Uh, if I could just get that car, imagine if I had that car I always wanted, what would people think about me? They would think I'm pretty cool, right? If I, get, if I could only have whatever car, uh, car you imagine yourself in. Um, if I could just find that right relationship that looks good, right? Or that feels good. I'll have everything I've ever needed. Or, or um, I'll, I won't feel lonely anymore, right? So those are all selfish ambitions, things that, are, are, um, uh, that come from your own selfish vision. You hear what I'm saying? And there, there's certain things, there, there's desires that God, God places in us as well that, that are um, from him. Um, but, and they're healthy things, but a lot of times uh, they're also things that are, that are not healthy. And those are the things I'm talking about tonight. And um, if we're not careful, we could end up pursuing a vision that's contrary to God's vision. Even, even in a career, uh, a lot of times people chase, uh, it's not so much a career, but they're chasing money. And it's something that's contrary to, to what God has for them. I'm not saying that money is contrary to what God has for you. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it, their, their total focus is on a vision that's not God's vision for their life. Okay? And, and, uh, and let me tell you, I'm not saying that God does not want to bless you. God wants to bless you tremendously. And I'm gonna, he blessed Abram, Abraham tremendously. And the, the Bible even says that he was a very wealthy man. Um, but like I said, we, if, we're, if we're not careful, we'll be pursuing something that's contrary to God's vision. I remember a young man um, that used to come to church. Um, anytime I start a story like that, it probably doesn't end good, right? Um, <laughs> for the most part. There was a young man that used to come to church, and uh, it was many years ago. And he was a young man, and he was, he was serving in the children's ministry. He was serving in the youth ministry. He was serving in the worship ministry. And, and God was using him tremendously. And... Uh, there was a point in his life where he, was, uh, he didn't know what to do. He was trying to decide what school to go to. And, and uh, he was uh, trying to decide what university to go to. And he didn't know if he should have stayed in, or he should uh, stay in San Antonio, or he didn't know if he should have gone out of state for school. 
And he was really contemplating, and he had opened up to a couple of leaders at the time that that's what he was contemplating. Um, and around that exact same time, uh, a woman of God came. Uh, we had a guest speaker come to the church and minister to the church. And, and uh, she's a prophet. Many of y'all know her. And um, she, she spoke a, a word. Of, she had a word of knowledge. God began to, to prophesy through her, and she began to prophesy. And um, she had a word, and she said, there's somebody in here who's, who's trying to decide what school to go to contemplating what to do. She's like, stand up right now. I have a word for you. And she gave that word out there. And, um, and she had to continue to say it. She's like, she's like, stand up with that. I feel it really strongly right now that God's trying God has a word for you. And many of us who knew that young man's situation were like, dude, stand up. Like, that's you. <laughs> like, come on, man. And like, you know, that's you. Like you just, just opened up about it. Um, but he didn't stand up that night. And he stayed sitting down. And so um, she said, there's a very important word that God wants to share with you. Um, and it's about the decision you're trying to make. And he didn't stand up. But um, that young man ended up going to school um, out of state. Okay. And um, now he's, he's openly in, in blatant sin. And he's, he's not living for God anymore. He's not serving God. Okay. And... Uh, now, the point I'm trying to make is not that if you go out of uh, school out of state that you're out of the will of God or anything like that. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but what I'm trying to say is we have to be sensitive to God's vision for our lives. We have to be sensitive to what God, where God is leading us, not where we want to lead us. Are y'all hearing me? So it's very important that we stay in tune with, with the spirit of God, that we stay in tune with, with his vision. We continue to seek his vision for our lives. And, and that's what we're doing right now. That's why we're in a time of prayer and fasting uh, the beginning of this year. And, and it's, it's just to, to see more of what God has for our lives for this year and, and uh, going forward in the future. Um, but Genesis 15, verse 1. So this is Abraham still. And this is God's promise to Abraham. This is God's vision for Abraham. And this is what he says to him in verse one. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and reward you. I'm sorry. And your reward will be great. But Abram replied, replied, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? So he's a blessed man, right? But he says, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. That's God's will. That's God's vision for our lives. We're thinking it's going to be one way, but God's like, No, I have something better. For you. That's what he said to Abraham. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. I like how he says this. And count the stars if you can. I like how, you, how the Lord puts that in there because if you read the Bible, you, you could see God's personality and he's very humorous. <laughs> he's, um, we're made in his image and we have humor, right? We're, we're, we're made in his image, so he's humorous. God's a humorous God. And I like how he says that. He says, look up, to, look up in the sky, count the stars if you can. <laughs> Nobody could count the stars, right? And he says, that's how many descendants you will have. 
And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So that's God's vision. That was God's vision for Abraham. And I'm telling you, he has that same vision for you. He's saying, look, look up. He's like, don't, don't look around. He's like, look up. Look up at me, and I'll give, you, I'll give you the vision that I have for you if you'll just seek me. Um, but but it, it's crazy. He gives him this, this, this vision but the next chapter over, and I've been studying Abraham in my, my readings, in the reading plan. He's, it's, I'm in Genesis right now. And the next chapter over in Genesis uh, chapter 16, check this out. Look what Abraham does after that promise. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Okay, so God's promise wasn't coming to pass, right? So, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. This is what she tells him. Look, this gets crazy. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So there's this guy and his wife is telling him, hey, go sleep with another woman. And he, he agrees to it. He's like, all right, you're giving me permission. Let me go do that. Um, and so, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. So now he has a, now he has a, baby, uh, a baby mama here, all right? <laughs> but when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, I can only imagine his responses, but he's going to, if I was him, I'd be like, hey, you're the one that told me to sleep with her, right? Like, and then he says, Abram replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. So she pushed her servant out. And um, so this is crazy. So, he, so God gave him this vision, right? But he tried to help God out with his vision. He's like, okay, he's like, God, you're, it, it, that vision you gave me, it, was, it, it, looked, it, it sounds pretty great, but it's taking a really long time. Uh, so, so let me try to make something else happen, right? And, and, and maybe uh, you might think some, something similar, like, God, that, the husband you promised me, <laughs> I don't see him. He's nowhere in sight. <laughs> so this guy's going to have to do over here, right? And, and you end up trying to make something happen that, that's not God's vision for your life. Because you're not willing to be patient, right? You're not willing to have faith and to trust God uh, in the, through the process. Um, but let's continue, let's continue to read um, uh, down. If we go down to verse 11. So, so Hagar takes off and she leaves with her son. I'm sorry, she's pregnant. She's not, she hasn't uh, uh, gave birth to him yet. But um, in verse 11, it says, Then the angel of the Lord also said, You are now pregnant. And will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man. Listen to this. As untamed as a wild donkey, he will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, his wife's servant, and they gave birth to this son named Ishmael, okay? 
Do you know who Ishmael is? Ishmael's descendants um, is the nation of Iran right now. The nation of Iran, they're the descendants of Ishmael. So y'all know everything that in the, in the news and stuff that's going on right now about Iran. And doesn't that sound just like them? They're in open hostility with everybody around, around them. They'll raise their fists against everybody uh, around them. But um, and it's not the whole entire nation of, of Iran. I mean, there's, there's a select few there, the, the, the radicals, the government who is against and they hate. I repeat, they hate Israel. OK, the nation of Israel, the nation of Iran hates Israel and they hate America. OK, and um, so let me tell you this. Um, if we're not careful, we could end up birthing something that will constantly be at war with God's promises and his purpose for our lives. So we could try to make something happen in our own strength or, or something that's man-made rather than God-made or God-given, and it will be a constantly at war with your purpose and God's vision for your life. Yes. And, and, uh, and I see t- I've seen time and time again, ra- I've been raised up in the church. Um, I'm 32 years old. I've been in church my parents have been in church all my life, and uh, they've been pastors since I was three years old. Um, and I've seen people come and go, and I've seen the different things. And I've also seen um, a lot of people who've, who've gotten married, and it's either like the husband or the wife, or let's say the wife is very passionate about ministry, and the husband wants nothing to do with ministry. And so they have this conflict and the wife wants to fulfill her purpose and God's calling for her life, but she can't to, her, to the fullest because her husband's kind of holding her back, right? And, and, um, but, but, but they have to live with it. So it's going to constantly be at war with God's vision for her life or even for his life. So that's what I'm saying. We have to be very careful um, trying to pursue our own vision rather than God's vision. Uh, Genesis 21, um, verse 8 so this is what's going to have to happen. Like I said earlier, so the first point is we have to separate from or surrender our own vision. Okay, this is the first point. So first we talked about separating. So Abraham separated from Lot. But watch, he has to separate as well. He has to do another separation again, or he has to surrender. So Genesis 21 and verse 8. So now he has his son, Isaac, the one that God promised him. So God actually promised that he's going to have a son through his, his wife, Sarah. He changed her name to Sarah, and they're going to name him Isaac. So Isaac already it was growing up, and that we're going to pick up from there. So verse 8 says, When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He, uh, he is not going to share the inheritance with my son, Isaac. I won't have it. And this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. So if you put your, yourself in Abraham's shoes at this point right here, so he was upset. I would be upset too, right? I mean, this is his son. This is his, this is his own flesh and blood. And before this, he had 300 people, over 300 people in his household, none of them which were his own flesh and blood. They're all servants, okay? And these are the, this is his firstborn son. That's his own flesh and blood. And his wife is saying, hey, send them away. And so let me tell you this, if we put ourselves in his shoes. So maybe I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you all this. 
There's going to be a time and a point in your life where a, a godly influence is going to tell you something and you're not going to like it. <laughs> you're, you're going to, it's going to upset you. But it, it, it's coming from God and they're going to be giving you, they're going to give you a direction or an idea or they're going to give you um, some, some kind of guidance or correction for your life and you might not like it. And, and it's, that's going to be the deciding factor if you're going to follow your vision or if you're going to follow God's vision. And, and, and listen to, to Abraham, what he does. He says, this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So um, there are things that we have to separate from, but there are also things that we're going to have to surrender. Now, now let me, let me tell you the difference. Um, there are things, there's visions, there's ideas, there's, there's uh, people, there's relationships, there's jobs, things that you're going to have to separate from immediately, okay? Um, like I, there was a, another young man in, in the church and he, he came and told me all these things that he was struggling with. And, um, but he said he had just had, he had just got a job somewhere where it was kind of like, like a Hooters. Um, it was, it was like the, the lines, it was a, a workplace kind of like Hooters, maybe a little bit more, I don't know, crazy with the, with the women and the way they dressed. Um, and I told him, I was like, dude, why are you working there, man? I was like, <laughs> if you're struggling with this, I was like, dude, quit. I was like, why? And he's just like, yeah, but it's, gonna, it, it, it's, it's my source of income right now and, and things like that. I'm like, dude, so what? Like, <laughs> just cut it off. I mean, like, it's not worth it. You could find a job, another job somewhere else. Like, if that, I, I'm telling you, that's, gonna, that's not helping you in this situation. So there are things that you could just easily just separate from. Um, and you got to cut it off kind of like Abraham did with Lot. But then there are also things that are not so easy to separate from. I mean, there, there's emotions, uh, there's feelings, there's, there's relationships built, there, there's um, careers in place, uh, businesses maybe, I don't know, to somebody else who's listening, um, that it's not so easy to separate from those things. So, but, if, but there's those things that are they're man-made and not God-given. So just like Ishmael, was, was, that was, he was birthed out of Abraham's vision, right, and Sarah's vision rather than God's vision. There are things in your life that were birthed out of your own vision that are not part of God's vision for your life. And if you do not surrender them, I'm telling you, they're going to be in open hostility with God's vision for your life. So uh, it's, it's very important that we, we see these things that they're revealed to us. Um, Proverbs 29, 18, this is the scripture I opened up with, and I'm going to say it to you again in the message translation. It says, but when they attend to what he reveals, so you see, so God's revealing his vision to y'all and through this prayer and fasting, he's going to be revealing more and more things to you this year. So when you attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So just like he said, okay, yeah, Ishmael is going to be blessed. Don't worry about him. Even though that was kind of a messed up thing to do, right? He sent her away and he sent his Hagar and his, his son away and, and, and send them into the woods. I don't know where they went. Um, but God said, don't worry about them. They're going to be blessed. He's like, worry about you right now. Okay, so um, you're going to be, you could still possibly be blessed. I mean, 
doing it your way or maybe you, you might do some things wrong, but you won't be most blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be most blessed, right? I, I want everything that God has for me. I don't want anything short of God's best for my life. I don't want anything short of, of God's plans, purpose, and vision for my life. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and it says, for I know, this is God speaking, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So let me tell you something. God is gracious. Like, like I said, if we mess up, it, it doesn't mean he won't bless us, okay? But I want to do it right the first time. I don't want to have to learn uh, from mistakes. I don't want to have to take detours in life that were unnecessary. The other day I was going to the gym, uh, or actually this week, I was going to the gym, and um, from 151, Highway 151, there's an overpass getting onto 410, Highway 410, and I wasn't paying attention, and I was just going like my normal route, and um, I wish I would have looked ahead, and if I would have looked ahead, I would have saw that the overpass was closed, um, but I didn't. I didn't look ahead, and so um, I could have exited early if I did look ahead, and I didn't, but instead I had to go all the way down 151, and it took me like... I want to say three miles. I have to go like another three or four miles to uh, the nearest exit and the nearest turnaround. So, and then I did a turnaround and finally I came back around and I got on the right highway and the line was backed up like, like crazy. And I was like, dude, what is going on, man? Why is, the, why is, the, why is there so much traffic at this time and stuff? And I had to go a different detour. But if I would have just looked ahead, just like I want to say two seconds earlier, I would have been able to exit and avoided all that traffic. Um, and that's, that, that's the value of vision. It allows you to look ahead so that you could avoid the detours, right, <laughs> that come from our, our own and dumb mistakes. So, um, so it's important. I don't want anything fighting against God's vision for my life. I remember 10 years ago, 2010, um, I, I did an internship um, in, in Louisiana. Many of you, uh, I've, talk, I've told y'all stories many times uh, of that time in my life, and I remember at the end of the internship, a lot of the interns, like the big decision was, hey, are you going to go or you're going to stay? Are you going to go back home or are you going to stay here? And, and a lot of people loved that place. It was, it, was, it was a really awesome ministry to be a part of. Um, and many people actually stayed. They, they, instead of going back home, they ended up starting a life there uh, after the internship. And um, I remember I had an opportunity to stay and, and I was playing with the, the band there and uh, even the pastor had, had made a comment. The pastor there had made a comment. And the, leader, the, the worship leader to the band said, hey, Stephen, you should, um, you should move here. He's like, you should just come here and, and move here and um, just go to LSU. <laughs> and uh, he, he just kind of made the comment, kind of just, I mean, I don't know if it was serious or not. But I remember thinking, I was like, man, that actually sounds fun. Like, it sounds cool. Like, I would love to do what I'm doing right now. I would love to continue to, to play with them and tour with them and different things like that. And uh, I love this place. Um, but at the same time, I thought about it, and I, and I, I felt not, not, not a, a specific, I mean, uh, I didn't hear God say anything specifically to me, but I felt in my spirit that, like, no, that's not the vision I have for you. Like, the vision I have for you is back home in San Antonio. 
And so I remember thinking that, and, I, and, I, and I, it gave me peace right away. I was like, no, you know what? I, I know I need, like, God's calling me uh, to go home. There, there are people back there who need me and, and different things like that. And, and, um, and not to say that if I would have chose that, it would have been <laughs> a horrible time for my life or anything like that or derailed me or anything. But um, I believe that this, it was God's vision for me to come back, and, and he blessed me. Like, he, he blessed me when I came back in, in uh, year after year after year. The years just kept getting better and better and better in, in, into the entire decade until now, to 2020. And, um, but that's why I'm saying you have, to be, you have to be alert. You have to be in tune with God's vision for your life, which, which leads me to my second point. Like I said, I only have two points. Um, the first one, the first point was to, um, to separate from or to surrender your vision. And... Um, you may, be, you may ask the question is, okay, now how, how do I get in tune with God's vision for my life? So the second point is now see through the lens of your spirit, not the lens of your soul. See things through the lens of your spirit, not your soul. Now let's go back to our main passage in Genesis uh, 13 with, with Abraham and Lot. So like I said, Abram, Abraham separated from Lot, but check this out. Watch how Lot makes his decision. So in verse 10, Abraham said, hey, choose for yourself wherever you want to go, Lot. And this is in verse 10. Lot took a long look. That's a lot of L's. That's a, that's a mouthful. Lot took a long look. All right. So that's important because instead of, he, it didn't say he consulted God or he consulted the Lord where he should go. He didn't say that. No, he said he took a long look. He was led by what he saw. He was led by his soul. He wasn't led by his spirit. He took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered. It looked nice. The grass was green, right? Um, Everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot chose for himself. That's important too. He didn't choose according to his purpose. He didn't choose according to his family. He didn't choose according to anything. He chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So um, Lot chose based on what looked good to him and also what he wanted. So that looked good to him, right? I mean... The other place probably didn't look so good. It looked like a desert. I don't know what the other side looked like, but that side looked great. I mean, it was well watered. It, it, the, the grass was greener over there, right? And so that's the place that he chose to go. And, uh, but he didn't consult the Lord, like I said. So there's a difference between your soul and your spirit. We're made of three parts. Your body, which, of course, everybody could see. Your soul, and then your spirit. And your soul is made up of three things as well. And that is your mind, right? Everything you think, your will, everything you desire, and your emotions, how you feel. So your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that, that is what your, um, your soul is. So y'all get that? It's what you think, it's what you want, and it's how you feel. Just based on what those three things, a lot of people, y'all can realize if you've been living by the soul or by the spirit, right? Um, so, but when you make decisions through the lens of your soul, it is based on what you think, it's based on what you want, and it's based on how you feel. But when you make decisions uh, based on the spirit, 
the spirit is sensitive to what God thinks, what God wants for your life, and how God feels about your life. Y'all hear me? This, the, this, your spirit's sensitive to that, to what God wants, what God thinks, and how God feels. So we, uh, we have to, to make decisions based on the spirit and God's vision for our life. Y'all hear me? Um, so when we make decisions through the eyes of our spirit, we're, we're making decisions that are aligned with God's vision, okay? Rather than our soul, which is our soul is aligned with our vision, okay? So it's important we realize this. But let's continue Lot's story. Let's, let's, let's read what happens to him, okay? So now let's go to Genesis 19. Genesis 19 says this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, 19 and verse 12. It says, meanwhile, okay, so let me give you a backstory before this. So God reveals his plan to Abraham, and three men come to Abraham. And it's, it's uh, many people believe it's Jesus and two angels, okay? So whenever it says the angel, the angel of the Lord, it usually puts a capital A in there, the angel of the Lord. And that usually means Jesus before uh, he became a man, okay? And came, came to this earth in the New Testament. Um, but it, it, there's actually a man who's talking to him. And like I said, many people believe Jesus. So the, he reveals his plan and says, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah, that's where Lot lives. He lived right by there. He says, that place is so wicked and so evil that, that, that there's cries that have reached out to me how wicked it is. And, he, and, 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 and God says, I actually came down to actually see if it was as bad as people are saying it is. And so um, he tells Abraham that he's going to destroy it. And Abraham begins to bargain with him and says, God, what if there's 50 people there that are righteous? Are you going to destroy the whole city based just because there, some people are wicked? And God says, no, I won't. If there are 50 people who are righteous, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham continues and says, what if there's 45? And the Lord says, no, I won't destroy it for the sake of the 45. And then Abraham continues to bargain with God. He says, what if there's 40? Then he goes down. He says, what if there's 30? Then he says, what if there's 20? And he goes all the way down. And Abraham says, what if there's only 10 righteous people? Will you destroy that city based, I mean, for the sake of those, the the, the righteous there? And the Lord tells him, no, I won't destroy it for the sake of those 10 righteous people. And so the Lord ends up destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because there weren't even 10 righteous people in that city. And we're going to pick up right there in verse 12. And it says, um, meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked, get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, or anyone else, for we are about to destroy the city completely. The outcry against this place is so great it has reached the Lord and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your daughters who are here. Get out right now or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, See, because like I said, he was a soulful man. He probably didn't want to. He probably, he probably was like, this is where I have everything. This is where my, my cattle is. This is where my money is, my silver, my gold. I don't, I don't want to go. And, and it says, when Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city for the Lord was merciful. So the Lord had mercy on him. 
When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Verse 23, skip down to that verse. Lot reached, to the, vill- reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. That's pretty crazy, huh? Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. Now check this out. So Abraham, here's his uncle, Abraham. So Lot just got out of this place. And Abraham comes to the place where he had just talked to the Lord. It was probably the exact place that he, him and Lot were looking and Lot looked over to see which place he wanted to choose. Abraham got up early, stood at the place in the Lord's presence. He looked out across the plain towards Sodom and Gomorrah and watched as columns of smoke rose from the cities like smoke from a furnace. But God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster that engulfed the cities on the plain. So I believe Abraham's looking at that same place that they were looking when Lot was trying to decide where to go. And instead of seeing those green pastures, right, and plains and, and the vegetation, now he's seen everything burned up in smoke, in columns of smoke. And I believe that Abraham got a clear picture of what could happen when you're driven by your own vision rather than being led by God's vision. And he saw, he saw if you think about it, Lot's life, just a few years before that, everything was going well for him. But because he made decisions based on what, what he saw and what he wanted, he ended up losing his wife. He ended up losing his, his son-in-laws. And uh, if we continue to even read, I'm not going to read it, but it says that him and his daughters even came to a cave and there were no men in that place. And the daughters had this crazy idea since there were no men that let us sleep with our, our dad, which is Lot. And they, he got, they ended up getting him drunk. I'm telling you, the Bible is crazy, guys. Like, <laughs> y'all think Netflix and um, Lifetime have some crazy stories. The Bible is even crazier. Uh, but they end up getting pregnant by their, by their dad after getting him drunk, and they end up having uh, two sons, and they become different, uh, different nations and stuff as well. So, um, but his life ends up just in a complete turnaround, Lot's life. Um, so, so it's important that we follow and we're sensitive to God's vision, that we seek, we continue to seek, not just seek once, but continue to seek God's vision for your life every day, um, not just during this time of prayer and fasting. <clears throat> and um, just like Abraham was looking over those plains and seeing how drastic Lot's life changed, there's been times in my life where I look back and, and I look at situations that I've been in and thinking, man, that could have been me, right? Or looking at marriages or looking at a relationship and different things like that. And man, I could have been in a relationship like that if it weren't for God intervening for me and coming to my rescue and being merciful. Like he was for Lot because Lot was a righteous man. That's what it says in the New Testament. He says he was righteous. So he just because, I mean, he was a flawed man doesn't mean he was a righteous man. So that's why he was, God was merciful and he saved him. 
But like I said, you don't want to be living just by God's mercy, right? You want to be living in, in God's favor. And when you follow God's vision for your life, it opens the door to his favor. Rather than living just from mercy to mercy, barely making it by, living in your own vision. Um, so let me really quick, really quick, uh, as I close, how, how, do you, how, do you want, how do you become spirit-led? Okay, Hebrews 4.12, this is a great passage of scripture. Um, I have it memorized. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. That's important right there. Between joint and marrow. And it, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So it's the word of God that's going to separate. Because your soul and your spirit are so close together that sometimes you don't even know what is what or which is which. And you think, okay, this could be God, but it also could be my soul. It could be my flesh, what I want. So I don't even know how to make a decision or whatever. Well, the word of God, it says, is alive and it's powerful. And it will cut between that. And it exposes your innermost thoughts and desires. So the word of God will expose you. And it would expose if you're being selfish or not. So that's number one is God's word. Um, And then the next two things, um, it actually comes out of Matthew uh, 17. And... um, it's prayer and fasting. So those three things. So God's word and prayer and fasting. But in Matthew 17, I don't have time to go there, but um, it's a story of the, these people who come with the son and they're, they're, they come to Jesus' disciples and they say, uh, hey, he has a demon that throws him into the fire and, and throws him into the water and uh, he's an epileptic and uh, we, we need him to be delivered. He, there, there's a demon that's doing it. It's inside him. He's demon possessed. And so his uh, disciples try to cast out the demon and they can't. Uh, whatever, I don't know what the demon does. I don't know if the demon talks to them and they just can't, <laughs> they can't do anything about it. So um, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, when he comes into town, they say, hey, uh, Lord, be merciful. And, and our, our, they tell him the story. Our son, he's demon possessed and the demon is, is tormenting him. Um, and we sent him to your disciples, but your disciples couldn't cast them out. And so Jesus hears about it and it ticks him off. <laughs> he gets mad. And he, we can read, you can read it later, but he says, you faithless and perverse generation. He tells that to his disciples. He's mad at them. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, like, it hurt them. It hurt the disciples. Like, Jesus, why are you mad at us? Like, we're just trying to do your will. Um, and he says, how much longer do I got to be with you? And then he, he casts out the demon. He speaks to it and it leaves the little boy and he cures him and he heals him. Um, and then later on, when they're alone, the, the disciples ask Jesus, why, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And first he addresses them. He, he tells them right away. He says, well, number one, you're faithless. And number two, you're perverse. So it's based on those two things. So, so faithless is being too disconnected from God. And being perverse is being too connected to the world. So that's what prayer and fasting is. Prayer reconnects you to God while fasting disconnects you from the world. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. And, and that's how we're going to begin to walk in the purposes of God. That's how we're going to begin to walk spirit-led. So let me tell you how important this is. So we cannot afford to be soul-driven. We must be spirit-led. So it's important that we get these things down and we don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Um, because I believe there are people in here 
who need vision for their lives. You're in desperate need of vision for your life. You don't know what to do. You don't know what your purpose is. And you've been seeking. And, you've been, and it comes from a pure heart. A, um, it comes from a good heart. You, you want to know what God's purposes are for your life. But you just don't know how. And I'm telling you now, you have to be connected to God. And disconnected from the world. And you have to know his word and what his word says about you. And uh, as I close with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2. Nine, it says, this is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So God's not trying to keep you from fun. He's not trying to keep you from a great life. He has an even better life prepared for you, even better vision if you're open to it. Amen. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please subscribe. That way you will always be in the know. Also, if you were impacted by the message today, please consider sharing it by clicking the share episode button or even taking a snapshot and sharing it on your social stories. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Podcast.